Did you know that Bible prophecy makes up over one-fourth of the Bible? That means one in every four verses is prophetic. With that said, Bible prophecy is a powerful subject to study for the Christian. From Genesis to Revelation, God has given us the most incredible predictions of future events, many of which have already come to pass and many of which are still future. And it's the events that have yet to come to pass that we're going to jump into today, the end times events. Hey fam, it's Katie and welcome back to the Katie Armstrong Show. What is so great about the study of Bible prophecy in history is that you begin to see how predictions made hundreds or even thousands of years in advance when there wasn't much of an ability to even fully understand some of them, let alone have faith they would actually come to pass, have come to pass, just as God said. From the miraculous birth of the nation of Israel through the promised child Isaac, to the fulfillment of many specific predictions concerning Jesus, to Israel's removal from the promised land, twice actually, and their surviving as a people for nearly 2,000 years without a home, only to return and be reestablished as a nation in 1948, These events were foretold and have come to pass exactly as the Bible predicted, and these are only a few out of hundreds. It's all an incredible faith builder in the God of the Bible and the Bible itself. Fulfilled prophecy tangibly demonstrates that the Bible is true, God exists, that he really is the one true God, that he knows the future, and that he is in control. No other so-called holy book contains predictive prophecy of the likes that we find in the Bible, let alone points to it as direct proof that the Bible is true and evidence of the one true God. In fact, listen to what God says in Isaiah chapter 41 verses 21 through 24 as he directly addresses the false idols or gods Israel was worshiping. Present your argument, says the Lord. Produce your evidence, says Jacob's king. Let them produce evidence. Let them tell us what will happen. Tell us about your earlier predictive oracles so we may examine them and see how they were fulfilled or decree for us some future events. Predict how future events will turn out so we might know you are gods. Yes, do something good or bad so we might be frightened and in awe. Look, you are nothing and your accomplishments are non-existent. The one who chooses to worship you is disgusting. God literally encourages us to look to predictive prophecy and examine what is said to know what is real and who the one true God is. And as we noted above, if we've already seen God's spoken predictive word come to pass exactly as he has said, even when there wasn't a shred of possibility as to how for many of them, or in many cases, even understanding, we can have full faith and confidence that what has yet to come to pass will, exactly as God has said, no matter how seemingly impossible or unclear it might look right now. But before we dive in with an overview of future events, we need to make a few notes. Note number one, when it comes to eschatology or end times prophecy, we must first realize that there are not only a handful of ways folks interpret the book of Revelation itself, as in, is it allegorical? Did the events already take place early in church history? Are they being fulfilled throughout the church age? Or are the events still future? But there are also a number of ways within those ways that folks also differ when looking at the scriptures and or outlining the sequence of end times events. In fact, the number of problems that arise within each view is actually what helps bring about the process of elimination and clarity. 
The further you get away from an accurate interpretation, the more problems and disagreements will actually arise because scripture is no longer interpreting scripture, speculation takes more of a main seat, and the slip to go beyond what is written sneaks in. Based on my study of each view and the whole counsel of God, I have come to hold the view that the book of Revelation is, indeed, talking mainly about events that are still future, specifically chapters 6 through 22. In fact, in view of the totality of scripture, I struggle to understand how anyone can disagree with that. But that's besides the point. I should also point out here that I hold a pre-tribulation rapture view. Note number two. With note number one in mind, the timeline of major end times events to come that I'm going to give is what I believe to be the most accurate and sensible when keeping in mind context and what we learn from the totality of scripture. This is a good time to note that this is not a theological debate I'm trying to have. If you disagree, that is 100% okay. No one is going to be kept out of heaven because we disagree about end times events. The study of eschatology is a secondary issue. As with anything I say or anything regarding anything related to scripture, you have a Bible, a brain, and God's spirit within you to help you understand the scriptures and come to your own conclusions based on deeper studies. I encourage you to take this and dig in on your own time, just as I have and will continue to do. But for all intents and purposes, I do believe what we're about to go through together will bless you and is the most accurate and clear understanding of end times events to date. Our final note, note number three, end times events is not something to argue about or be obsessed with. Knowing and sharing Jesus, the world's and a person's only hope, is what you want to be primarily concerned with, especially in light of the fact that, holding a pre-tribulation rapture view, us Christians won't even be here for any of these end times events. Well, until we get to the millennial reign of Christ, that is. So don't take your eyes off of Jesus and our mission to get lost hunting people down to disagree with them about a particular eschatology position you hold. Also, there are some events that we all should be taking a very humble approach on in respect to their exact fit or order and even our understanding of the details. God has given us an amazing layout, but we still don't know everything with 100% certainty. However, like the prophet Daniel said in Daniel chapter 12, verse 10, the wise will understand if they're paying attention as the times progress. On a more fun, positive note, what studying eschatology does for us is, one, encourages us by allowing us to see the God of the Bible confirm himself in real time as the end draws near. Two, allows us to make sense of the world and understand the times we are in so that we are not in the dark and can know things are falling into place, not out of place. Three, gives us wisdom. And four, prepares us for what is ahead and how to best be used as a light for Christ when talking to others, all while knowing God is in total control with a plan. In fact, Revelation is the only book of the Bible that promises a blessing for reading it, Listen to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. 
As we see political and cultural shifts come into alignment with what God has revealed will happen in the end through books like Daniel and Matthew and Revelation, we get motivated to be about the Father's business all the more as we expect Jesus to appear for his bride, us, the church, with greater expectancy. With all this said, in a nutshell, here is a brief overview of what's to come after we, the church, are no longer here. Again, keep in mind as we flow through this timeline that if we're seeing shifts happen now in prep for these events God has revealed to us that we won't be here for, how much closer is the end and Christ coming for the church? So here we go. Not exhaustive, but a biblical timeline of end times events, often referred to as the tribulation period, the 70th week of Daniel and or the day of the Lord, what we know will be the darkest time in human and world history. Okay, to start out this timeline is the rapture of the church. That is the next event, so to speak, to kick off this entire end times timeline. No one knows the day or the hour. It's imminent. It could happen at any moment. And this is where the church is removed from earth and caught up to meet the Lord in the air before the coming wrath of God. John 14, 3 says this, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says this, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Next, we tentatively hold is the battle of Ezekiel 38.39. This battle seems best understood to take place right after the church is removed in preparation for the peace agreement to be made by the final Antichrist with Israel. It is a great military invasion against Israel by countries such as Russia, Turkey, Iran, Libya, and Sudan. God will supernaturally intervene and defend Israel, and they will once again recognize him as their God. So be mindful in current events of the positions of these countries and how they're beginning to form alliances, treaties, and so on and so forth because it will give you insight into how close this Ezekiel 38-39 battle is to happening. Ezekiel 39-21 and 22 says this, I will display my glory among the nations, and all the nations will see the punishment I inflict in the hand I lay on them. For that day forward, the people of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God, speaking of when he supernaturally intervenes and defends Israel. Next, we have the revived Roman Empire, which will be revived and be alive and well during this time. In the book of Daniel in Revelation, it talks about a 10-nation confederation, 10 kings, that will be revived in the last days. We may see this more clearly start to form out of Europe, where the former Roman Empire held much of its power, prior to the rapture and preparation for the end seven years to come, as out of this revived Roman Empire, the Antichrist will arise. Revelation chapter 17 verses 12 through 14 says this, The ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but will receive ruling authority as kings with the beast for one hour. These kings have a single intent, and they will give their power and authority to the beast, which is the final Antichrist, by the way. They will make war with the lamb, but the lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and those accompanying the Lamb are the called, chosen, and faithful. Next, the tribulation period begins. 
A seven-year peace treaty is made between the Antichrist and Israel, starting the seven-year tribulation period. For the first three and a half years of this period, Israel will be safe and at peace under the peace treaty with the Antichrist. The seal judgments of Revelation 6 and 8 will occur during this time. Daniel 9.27 says this, He, meaning the final Antichrist, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven, which is seven years. After this, we enter into the Great Tribulation Period, or the time of Jacob's trouble. Three and a half years into the seven-year tribulation period, the third temple that does not yet exist will be standing, which you can go to the templeinstitute.org and see there are already plans for this third temple to be made as we speak. But this is where the Antichrist will break his peace treaty with Israel, put an end to sacrifices, desecrate the temple, set up an abomination that causes desolation, and declare himself to be God. The world will fully be under his dictatorship at this point where his cohort, the false prophet, will force everyone to worship him and take the mark of the beast to buy or sell. This will begin intense persecution of Jews and tribulation Christians. The trumpet and bowl judgments of Revelation 8, 11 in chapter 16 will occur during this time. Daniel 9, 27 says this, In the middle of the seven, which is seven years, and in the middle is three and a half, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Second Thessalonians 2, 4 says, He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Revelation 13, verses 15 through 18 says, The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. That number is 666. And what is interesting about this, friends, is in times past, there was no idea how this would even be possible. However, given our technology, our social media, even these new digital currencies and how we're able to track everything, you can start to see how it is very possible, even in this moment, to have a global economic system where you can put a mark on somebody and control whether they buy or sell. Following this is the battle or war of Armageddon. The seven-year tribulation period will culminate with armies from around the world gathering together at a place called Megiddo, being led by the final Antichrist to attack Israel. Revelation chapter 16 verses 12 through 16 says this, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. 
Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready, so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. And it's at this point that the Jews will cry out for Jesus, which will take us into our next event, so to speak, which is Jesus's second coming. Jesus will return to earth and destroy these armies at the culmination of the seven years at this great battle of Armageddon. Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through 16 say this, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. And this is when the Antichrist and the false prophet will then be thrown into the lake of fire and Satan bound for a thousand years. Revelation chapter 19 verse 20 says this, Now the beast was seized, and along with him the false prophet who had performed the signs on his behalf, signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Both of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire, burning with sulfur. Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 through 4 says this, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him, to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. After Satan is bound, we have the judgment of the nations. Those who come to faith during the tribulation period will enter into the millennial kingdom, but the unbelieving and unrepentant will be sent away to eternal fire. Matthew 25 says this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. After this judgment of the nations, we now have the 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. This is when Jesus will be ruling from Jerusalem over earth for 1,000 years along with the tribulation martyrs and us, the church-age believers. It will be a time of peace and blessing. Revelation chapter 20 verse 4 says this, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. 
And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. After the 1,000-year reign of Christ, Satan will be released from the abyss for a short time. He will deceive many into going to war against God's people in Jerusalem. They will immediately be consumed by fire from heaven. Satan is then thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 verses 7 through 10 say this, When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them, and the devil, who deceived them, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And this brings us to the final judgment, the great white throne judgment. Every non-believer of all time at this judgment will be raised and or stand before Jesus and be judged according to their works. Those not found in the book of life, as the Bible says, will be thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 13 say this, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. The last event, or events I should say, bringing God's plan to completion is the destruction of the present heaven and earth and the ushering in of the new heaven and earth in Jerusalem. It will be a time of the likes none of us can imagine. There will be no more tears, pain, or death. God will have, with finality, made all things new. We'll finish by reading these verses of Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Again, this was not an exhaustive timeline, and the scriptures covered were just a fraction of what is available to read, learn from, and reflect over for each event. In the notes of the podcast, I will include resources for you to print and or read, that will put what we've mentioned on paper 
for you or give you a place to go and at least read more about because there is so much to what we discussed today. As with every episode, please rate and leave a review if you've enjoyed listening. They encourage me as I do read them and they help me to start ranking in Apple Podcasts. If you could start sharing with your family and friends, even tagging me on your social media, that would be a huge blessing times 10 as well because I'm not great at promoting what we talk about here on this podcast. Thank you all for being here, be it you're in total agreement on any topic I talk about or not. At the very least, praying it gives you some fun conversation starters with the people around you. God bless you all, take care, and we'll talk to you soon.